Good morning. How are you guys today? It's good to see you. Today we are talking about authority. And authority is kind of a big word, but you guys have already started to learn all about authority. I'm pretty confident of that. I'm guessing that you guys know that there are people in our government who have authority over us, you know, police officers, and there's local government officials, and there's even officials in the state and in our country who have authority over us. But you guys probably understand authority best in the forms of teachers and parents. Now, something you'll learn if you haven't learned already is that teachers have limited authority over you. That means their authority does not last forever. If you're in kindergarten, your kindergarten teacher gets to tell you what to do because that kindergarten teacher is in authority over you. But then if you go to first grade, you have a new teacher. The kindergarten teacher does not get to tell you what to do anymore because you're not in kindergarten, you're in first grade. The first grade teacher tells you what to do. And at home, mom and dad's authority is limited also. Mom and dad's authority is often limited by where they are and what they know. And kids figure this out pretty quickly. They go and they ask dad for a treat. And dad says, not right now. But mom doesn't know that dad said not right now. So you run and you ask mom for a treat. And mom doesn't know that dad said no. And Dad doesn't know that you're asking mom, and you think maybe mom will say yes because she can tell me what to do too. We've already kind of learned as children that authority is limited, and someday you might get real big, and then when you're an adult, mom and dad won't tell you what to do anymore at all. Moms and dads are only your authority for a little while while you're a child. All the authority that we know on this earth is limited. That means it comes to an end at some point. But Jesus' authority is not like that. Jesus' authority has no limits. He is always in authority over us, everywhere, all the time, and he has authority over everything and everyone. Today we're going to see how Jesus went to the cross to die for all sins of all people who have ever lived and will ever live. Jesus has absolute authority over all sin. We're going to be reminded that Jesus rose from the dead, which means he has absolute authority over death itself. We're even going to see that Jesus has absolute authority over the devil and all of his followers. Jesus has perfect, absolute authority, and that is really good news for you and for me. Today we're going to ask our God to help us better appreciate his authority over all things. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, if we're honest, uh, there's a a part of us, a sinful part of us, that does not like authority very much. Help us today to understand how you have forgiven even those sins of rebelling against authority. Help us to better appreciate how your authority over all things is really good news for us to know that you have forgiven all of our sins, that you have defeated death, and that you protect us from the devil and his followers every single day until we're with you forever, safely in heaven. Help us to better appreciate your absolute authority today, dear Savior. In your name we pray. Amen. The portion of God's word that we're going to focus our attention on for a little while this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. They went to Capernaum, 
And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is the word of our God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the Bible Basics class that we've been using here at Mount Olive in my time among you, in the second lesson, we talk about the the problem of sin, how sin entered the world and death through sin. And then we spend some time talking about Old Testament worship. We spend some time talking about the tabernacle, that portable worship space that God gave to his people as they were leaving Egypt and wandering around in the desert which became permanent when they built a temple. But the tabernacle and the temple, the pictures taught within are the same. One was just a temporary structure, the other one permanent. And if you've taken that class, you might remember that we look at it from a top-down view, an overhead view of that worship space. It's a rectangle, and on one end, there's a curtain, and the curtain forms a perfectly cubical room. The width, the length, and the height were all the same dimension. And inside that perfect cube, the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, was the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments. That God had taught his people, the soul who sins is the one who shall die. Well, how does God determine that? He compares a human being to the law, to the Ten Commandments, right? And if a sinful human being stands next to the Ten Commandments, they are shown to be sinners worthy of death. And so the picture was nobody could come in that room because God was said to dwell in that room over the Ark of the Covenant. And he'd be looking down, and if somebody came in, he would see the law and a sinner, and the soul who sins is the one who shall die. And that's what would happen if anyone dared go in that room. Except for one day a year. One day a year, the great day of atonement. You see, that curtain separated people from God. That curtain said, you can't come in here or you will die. You are not at one with God. But the great day of atonement, the great day of at-one-ment, was the day where God taught his people how they could become one with him again, how they could be in his presence and not die. It's a simple way of summarizing all of Old Testament worship life. There's more details than that, but this is what the sacrifices were all about. 
They were pictures of how God's people were going to be made one with God again. The sacrifices themselves, whether they were daily or annual, they were not the thing. They were a picture of the one. They were a picture of the Savior. God was teaching his people, you can't be with me like you are, but you will be through my promised Messiah. Through the one that I've promised to be your Savior, you will be one with me again. The entire Old Testament was about teaching God's people who could not be with him how to be with him again. And they were not the answer. God's people themselves, you and me, we are not the solution to that problem. Never have been, never will be. Now, fast forward to our text. They're not at the temple. They're at the synagogue. Ever since God's people left Babylon and got to come back to the promised land, they instituted synagogues. Synagogues were assemblies. That's really all the word synagogue means. It's a Greek word. It's kind of like our word church. It's not a building. It's a gathering. It's an assembly of people who come together. Capernaum was way in the north. Jerusalem was way in the south. They did not have to travel to Jerusalem for church every week. There were synagogues, gathering places, assemblies, where God's people would gather together to hear the word of God for prayer and for teaching. The the technology of the day allowed it. We get out our smartphones and what do we do? We, We scroll. Well, that word comes from somewhere, scroll. Right? The way that we scroll through a phone is the same way that you would roll through a scroll. They had scrolls. The, the word of God was on scrolls, but they didn't have it in every person's home. They were in the synagogues. You would go to the assemble at the synagogue. Why? Because that's where the word of God would be unrolled and read. And there'd be prayer and teaching. Well, what had happened over time was the synagogue became the place where you learned about all these rules, all these rituals. You're unclean today because you touched a dead animal. Well, here's how you get clean. Here's the steps to follow. Every month, a woman would become unclean. Here's the steps to follow to become clean again. You got an infectious skin disease? Here's the steps to become clean clean again. And there were so many rules about being clean and unclean and how to get clean again that maybe a simple person like you and I would forget those rules. So you got to go review. You got to go get those five steps on how to get clean again. Five steps on how to improve your life, how to be in the right spot again. And over time, all the studying of the Old Testament rules and regulations the people became so focused on what they were supposed to do, they lost sight of the big picture. They lost sight of the pictures. The pictures of reconciliation and atonement and forgiveness that were baked into every aspect of all the rules and regulations of how sinners would become one with God through the one-time sacrifice of God's lamb, the lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. All these prophets 
who would come to the people who felt weighed down by sin, who saw how impure they were. They would come and they would point ahead to God's promised Messiah. But the people weren't focused on that. They weren't focused on the pictures of salvation through another. They were focused on the pictures of rules and had become convinced that if they just obeyed the rules, that everything would be okay. And then in steps this Jesus who was different. He wasn't like the other grammaticians the experts in the grammar, the experts in the words, the experts in the laws. He wasn't like them just giving them steps. He was helping them see the big picture. He would open the scroll, he would read, and he would say, today this scripture's been fulfilled in your hearing. This scripture's about me. God has sent me to fulfill these scriptures. God has sent me to be the lamb of sacrifice. God has sent me to make you one with him again. And he spoke in such a way that made it clear, these are not my ideas. These are right from the scrolls. These are right from the words of God. Thus says the Lord, the one who sent me. This is what God has been saying to you the whole time. And they say, what is this? It's almost like a completely new teaching. It's almost like we've never heard this before. He teaches with such authority. And then this demon, this demon who's possessing one of the people who was in the synagogue opens his mouth. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, come out of him, Jesus says sternly. And the demon does. And the people are stunned, they're amazed. They don't know what to make of this. This is different. This authority of Jesus, this is what the Lord says. He even tells demons to run, and they run. You and I, we live in interesting times. The sinful nature has always hated authority. But we live in a time, in a culture, where hostility towards authority is as open as ever in history. We live in a time where it doesn't really matter which side of the aisle you fall on politically. If the man you did not vote for gets elected president, it's popular for you to then say, he's not my president as though that works? As though you can just declare the president's not my president and then the president's not your president and doesn't have authority over you? Like that's how this works? No. That's not how it works. You can't just declare authority, not my authority. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. You can't tell me what to do anymore. Yeah, try that, kids. See how it works. Not till you're 18. We can't just declare authority away from us. The interesting thing is that that sinful nature inside of us talks the same way the devil talks. That when Jesus tries to come into our life with his authority, 
we want to respond in the exact same way. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Because he comes to destroy that which we love. He comes to destroy all the false gods that we want to cling to. The pleasure and the preferences and all the things that we think will give us what we want but can't, Jesus has come to destroy. We, we live in a time where if you don't like what your preacher says or you don't like how your church is run, you can just go to the one down the street. There's plenty of gospel-proclaiming churches in Green Bay. You don't like this one anymore, you can just go to the next one. You don't like that one, you can go to the next one. You don't like that one, you can go to the next one. The question is, why? Do you understand why? Because when a preacher says, this is what the Lord says, it's quite possible that your conscience might be pricked. And you might not like what you hear. And so are you leaving because you don't like what you're hearing? Are you leaving because the preacher has pointed out a, a soft spot of pride or preference in your life that Jesus has come to destroy? A God that can't actually give you what you want? Do you look for a new source of authority that better suits what you prefer? That tells you what you want to hear? Because the fact of the matter is, when the word of God is preached, people will run. The sinful nature wants nothing to do with what the word of God says. And if people don't run from what the word of God says, we might want to ask ourselves, is the word of God actually being preached? Because where the word of God is preached... The sinful nature fights. The good news is Jesus has absolute authority. Jesus has the authority to destroy sin once and for all. He earned that authority. He perfectly obeyed the law of God every single day of his life. The law of God could never condemn him. All those rules in the Old Testament, never once could they say, see, this one did it wrong. See, this one's impure. Never once. Then he switches places with us and he takes what our sin, our impurity deserves on the cross. He endures that hell. He dies the death that our soul deserves And then he rises from the dead, victorious over sin, victorious over death. And as he demonstrated in this text, when he speaks, the devil has no choice but to run. You want to talk about a great reason for you to spend time in God's word? You want to talk about a fantastic reason for you and I to hear regular preaching from God? the Lord, for us to spend time in Bible study, for us to open up our Bibles and read them, for us to get together with other Christians and to hear the word of God. You want to know a great reason to hear the word of God regularly? When you and I 
are hearing the words of Jesus which show us our sin and point us to him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, when we're hearing the word of God, the devil who's trying to attack us, his followers who are trying to attack us, they're hearing the word of God too. And all they can do is run. Think about that. When you're hearing the word of God, when you're hearing Jesus teach with absolute authority, showing you the problem of sin and showing you his absolute authority over sin, death, and hell, the devil and his demons who want to rob you of your salvation, hear his voice and flee. Jesus has absolute authority, and that is the best news in the world. Amen.